This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 255, Colossal Film Review of a Kaiju Movie with guest host Nathan Marchand from the Kaiju Vision Radio Podcast. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend's plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did so was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here with a co-host who is not Steve, who is not Evan, who is not Dr. Jace, but he is a co-host who has been on this show before. I want to welcome back to Strangers and Aliens, Nathan, and I, I your name, Marchin? Mar- yes. Marchin? Okay. I yes. got it right the first time. <laughs> I'm going to stick the landing and, and go with that then. So welcome back, man. It's kind of ruined my. Yeah, thanks. Uh, <laughs> a little bit there because I was waiting for an opportunity to make a little reference to the to that Eminem video where he where he starts to say, "Guess who's back? Back again," <laughs> so, which actually would be relevant to people's interest here because he was dressed up like Robin <laughs> That's right. in that video. That's so this will right. be the first and only time Eminem gets a reference on this podcast. Yeah, it may not be the only time he gets a reference, but definitely the only time he's going to be sung on the podcast. I, I, I <laughs> almost guarantee that. Yeah. So, yeah, welcome back. And since the time you've been on here, uh, where the last time you were on here, you talked about uh, a little movie called Godzilla. And yes. since that time, you've started your own podcast, which yes. is about... Uh, kaiju yeah be right up your alley ben Uh, i know you love monsters not just kaiju i mean it's it's mainly uh it's it's about the history of kaiju it's about history of of Uh, japanese cinema and how it and social uh stuff and and history Mm -hmm. from from japan so i mean it's not just the monsters but it's mostly the monsters Yes, <laughs> it's called Kaiju Vision Radio. It's co-hosted by myself and a guy named Brian Scherchel. And uh, one of the things that we want to do to make the podcast unique is, as you said, we're, we're going to be t- uh, chronologically going through the uh, first, at least, the uh, Godzilla franchise. And we're going to be talking about those movies in their original historical and cultural context. Because once you know those things, you actually can have a greater appreciation for the movies. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. And that's one of the reasons why sometimes I've I've talked to people about like the original Godzilla or something like that. And they're like, oh, wow, if I had known that, I would I would like it more, you know, because they, <laughs> they don't understand some of the, the, the cultural stuff that's going on um, behind, you know, nothing's no art is created in a vacuum. 
you know, and so oh, you, have, you have Godzilla and you have the way it was filmed, uh, the documentary style of some of the destruction that's coming directly from the aftermath of, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And once you start looking at that kind of thing, it's, it's very much, well, it's much less a movie where people's mou- mouths don't match the words and a weird looking <laughs> creature, which I'll admit, you know, when I first watched uh, Godzilla in, in high school, that's what it was to me was this kind of kitschy uh, old school, funny thing. Um, <laughs> and, and now you, you watch it and, and there's a much more uh, serious vibe and tone uh, as I watch it, even the, even the English dub, um, it, it retains some of that. Yeah. But there's, uh, we have, uh, we had a really interesting episode about the, the English Americanized version of the original film. Actually, I think it's well, it was one of our best episodes so far. Yeah. Well, and I'll have, I'll always have a soft spot for the Americanized version of both that and Godzilla 1985. Um, <laughs> I oh that one. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll always have a soft spot for that one, and uh, I actually got to watch it recently because we found it on VHS. And oh wow, yeah, yeah, uh, I still have my old VHS copy. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a, a DVD release of the, the English dub of, of Godzilla. There isn't, there isn't. The, the, the Japanese version was just released finally officially over here in the States about a year ago, and but they didn't include the English version because it's tangled up in rights issues. Yeah, well, it's also tangled up in, in VCR tapes, so I. I'm glad I had that, and and we dug out a VCR, hooked it up to my HD TV, and uh, fortunately, my HD TV it's not one of the super high def; it's like 720 instead of 960 or whatever. And so, yeah, I don't think it looked as bad as it could have looked, um, but it worked, and we watched it, and it was, um, it Raymond Burr making his <laughs> grand reappearance into the into the Godzilla uh, as a curmudgeonly old man. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, it's it didn't hold up. It didn't hold up. And the people I was watching with um, my wife, my kids, Evan and his wife and uh, most of them, not not big fans of that. Not (laughs) big fans. I got to say, I I recently listened to your 250th episode and you never told me when you had me on the show before that your friend Vince actually interviewed Godzilla. That was impressive. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm like, you didn't tell this to the Godzilla guy you you watched this movie with. (laughs) And all I can think is I would love to hear an updated interview uh, between Vince and Godzilla, because if Godzilla was wearing a girdle and Godzilla 98 he must have been doing some powerlifting <laughs> to be in Godzilla 2014. You know, he's watching all those American actors in superhero movies. He's probably thinking, oh, man, I got to bulk up for this. Make the Americans happy. I got to be honest, man. Up until when we did that 250 episode, I forgot all about that. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot we even did that. And, you know, it was one of those things where the, the podcast we had been on, it just disappeared. And it was just gone. And we we didn't have uh, backup copies of it. And, and then suddenly we did. So Steve, uh, <laughs> Steve's friend had a CD that had uh, four episodes on it that Steve gave him those episodes on a CD. And, uh, went w- way back when we did that. And then I found uh, the other stuff through archive.org and there's still a couple episodes <laughs> that are gone and, and they probably never will be, uh, 
we'll never see them again. And that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But but still, that that interview was <laughs> that interview was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It brought a huge smile to my face. Well, that's good. Then mission accomplished. If we bring a smile to one person's face, then we have affected the world. And, and that's what podcasting is for. So, yeah. So I wanted to have you on to do this particular episode um, because I heard about, you know, we had Shin Godzilla and we had Kong Skull Island recently. Mm-hmm. But then there was this other kaiju movie that I heard about called uh, Colossal. Mm-hmm. And um, I heard with about Cat it. Holtman. Yeah, with, with Anne Hathaway. And it was kind of a, I don't know how much of a pet project it was for her, but it, it felt like it was this kind of indie film and Anne Hathaway's like, yeah, I want to do this. And I started seeing little stories pop up about it here and there. And, and, uh, Jason Sudeikis is in it. And, um, mm-hmm. oh, uh, the guy from Legion and Downton Abbey. Uh, I can't remember. His oh, name. really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he's the, he's the, uh, first boyfriend. He's, oh, he's the first boyfriend. Okay. He's he's Legion, and he's also um, Matthew from Downton Abbey, and um, let's see Dan Stevens. And ah. so, so I'm 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 seeing these people. And I'm thinking that's that feels like you know your classic indie film, you know. And uh, I wonder what this is going to be like. And then they're talking about the the high concept behind it, which is here's a you know oh, just this modern day girl who's trying to get through life and she's connected to a kaiju on the other side of the world. Yeah. And <laughs> that's just kind of the, the high concept there, the elevator pitch. And it sounds to me like this, this could be interesting. This could yeah, be interesting. I, I was actually hoping to track it down and watch it in a movie theater, but it never played anywhere close by, not even over in Fort Wayne. I would have thought it would have been in Fort Wayne, but it wasn't yeah. as far as I know. I was looking. So I missed out on the opportunity to see it in a movie theater. But it pops up on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And uh, once it popped up on Hulu, I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna give this a watch. And I am, if this is good enough to, to have a good conversation, I'm, I'm going to check and see if Nathan can do this. And... <laughs> And originally, you know, the thinking is, well, Godzilla guy. But then also, of course, there's the podcast, you know, that you're doing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to go through kaiju movies in chronological order, it's going to be, you know, 2023 before you get to this movie anyway. So (laughs) I figure, hey, why not give you an opportunity to talk about it right now so you don't have to wait? (laughs) And also, you can also promote your your new podcast. And Which, by the way, the website for the podcast is (laughs) kaijuvision.com. Yeah. And if you didn't write it down just now, don't worry. We'll talk about it at the end as well. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this thing. It, it is, like I said, it's bizarre. It's um, just the concept was bizarre. And then I started watching the movie and I'm thinking, this is not what I'm expecting. This is not what I'm expecting yeah. at all. Uh, should, so, we, should we let the listeners know what this is, oh, what this is about? You know what? First, let's, first, what were you expecting? Uh, what were you what going into I this expect- thinking this was going to be? Uh, I went into this expecting it to be a dark comedy. That was how it was explained to me. And the, the, the trailers give that impression as well. And the I knew that you were going to have this this woman, Anne Hathaway, who has this bizarre connection to this kaiju who is attacking Seoul, Korea. She can do things like whatever – like if she – 
puts her arm up over her head, the kaiju does the exact same thing. Whatever she does, the kaiju does. And then that's about all I really got from any of the trailers and I, any of the non-spoiler things that I heard about the film. Now I, I didn't, didn't know what they were going to do with it beyond that. Yeah, I didn't see any trailers. And so I was just I was just expecting an indie comedy, you know, something small, something um, low budget. And, you know, maybe a person in a suit kind of thing. And well, and it's I was not uh, expecting it to be when, as dark as it ended up. being. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, that actually makes total sense, because one of the, the first place that I first heard about this movie was in news stories because apparently Toho was trying to get it shut down because they thought it violated their copyright because they thought it was going to be too much like Godzilla. Well, but here's what happened, though. When they did a – I don't know if it was a sizzle reel or or what to get investors, they actually used Godzilla imagery, like literal Godzilla imagery, um, where it wasn't even a – this is something similar to Godzilla. It was – Let's pull this actual, you know, Godzilla silhouette and let's use this this shot of Godzilla. And so they actually use Godzilla imagery and they didn't use that in anything that they officially released. But they did use it in in trying to raise money. So that makes total that does make sense. And uh, (laughs) I think it, it worked in their favor because it got it got them a fair amount of attention, although it's kind of playing with fire. I can tell you right now, uh, Toho is very protective of their copyrights. Yeah. Well, and I mean, here's the thing. I mean, they're, they're getting their, uh, their yeah publicity or whatever. I know. I don't feel like they ever, I, I can't imagine this made a lot of money for the, whoever made this, you know, I mean, this, what is this thing? You know, and it's not something yeah. you can easily explain. And once you get into it, like I said, it was a lot darker than I was expecting. It was a lot more, I don't know, um, messy than I was expecting. I was expecting it to be maybe even a romantic comedy. I don't know. And it plays with. It could have been that. It, it definitely plays that. with the romantic comedy setup, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I guess now we're kind of getting into what this movie is about. But Anne Hathaway is this unemployed um, writer from New York who just spends. And, a, and all an alcoholic. Her time, yeah, spends all her time drinking. And and then she gets home in the early morning and her boyfriend that she lives with is sick of it, kicks her out. So she goes back to her hometown and because uh, her parents still own their old house that they used to have in her hometown. And uh, it, it totally feels like we're setting up a romantic comedy because she meets up with uh, an old friend of hers, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. And they you know, he he invites her to his bar and it's. Uh, so now you're getting into this alcoholism and you're getting into these, you know, these people who their lives have gone nowhere or it feels like they've gone nowhere and they're all depressed and they're all uh, sad. They spend all their nights drinking. And we also have uh, in the cast with the, some of the friends are Tim Blake Nelson and uh, who he's always welcome when I, I've loved him ever since. Oh, brother, where art thou? But mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's a mess. They're messes, uh, and you're wondering, okay, so where's how does the monster fit into this? And yeah, well, and then what else is interesting that also kind of plays with that romantic comedy setup is that she starts helping him with the bar. Yeah, and says, "Oh, you should open up this other section; it'll be great." 
because the other section so, is like this cute Western theme kind of thing. And yeah. It, and so it feels like we're setting up some cute stuff. And it feels like we're setting up for romantic comedy hijinks. And Jason Sudeikis is bringing her furniture to his to her house and, and trying to help her out. And then things take a really dark turn when you find out he's manipulative and controlling. And <laughs> she's alcoholic and not nice. And... And then you find out that this connection that she has to this monster on the other side of the world, uh, it, it, the setup, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's this magical fantasy kind of stuff. It's not oh, scientifically yeah. plausible. And there's, we'll talk about maybe some of the places there's, where this could have gone that it didn't go, but yeah, well, and they, they I was wondering if they were going to offer any sort of explanation about how her, the connection works, which they do. Cause there are some very interesting <laughs> flashbacks. They do ish. Yes. Yeah. Kind of explain it, but only just enough so that it doesn't seem like it came out of nowhere. <laughs> right. And and you can't go into the movie uh, expecting it to to really make a lot of logical um, science fiction sense. So when I say logical, I mean logical in the sense of a science fiction movie where they, you know, for lack of a better term, MCU it or where they mm-hmm. create this techno babble that makes it make sense because we have said scientific sounding words to describe it. That's not it at all. It just happens and it's just there. And why it happens is not so important. What is happening is what's important. And that's the big thing behind the whole movie really is there is this metaphorical thing going on, which is she is an alcoholic mess and she has this metaphorical manifestation on the other side of the world that is causing all sorts of problems in the world around it in the same way that someone like her, who an alcoholic mess, causes trouble and problems for everyone around her. Mm-hmm. And then I don't want to get too much into some spoilers. And in fact, um, we will talk about some spoilers at the end, but this is this the the meat of the discussion, the main discussion here, we're going to keep it mostly spoiler free. And in a movie like this, it, spoilers really don't matter except for, for me, the spoiler that would matter is the ending where they resolve things. And then also um, there is a very surprising thing that kind of s- uh, kicks us into uh, act two, which I, I don't want to get yeah. into with spoilers here. Yeah, there were, yeah, there were a couple of points that, cause I, I was pretty good about avoiding spoilers for this i try very hard to avoid spoilers for movies in general really anything in general but (laughs) so there were a couple of points where the movie honestly did surprise me because i went into it not knowing a terrible amount about it and then there were some things where i was thinking to myself okay i bet this means this and i ended and ended up not meaning exactly what i thought it did yeah yeah and I would. I wish I could explain more, but that that does get a little bit spoilerific. So it, it just it, the movie surprised me on several occasions. What surprised me was the themes that it was mining. Uh, what surprised me was where it was going with all these things. I thought it was going to be a movie about a woman confronting her literal demons, or yeah, confronting her literal demons inside her—the alcoholism the fact that she ruins people's lives around her. And the reason that she's able to overcome these literal demons within her is because there is a metaphorical demon that she has to confront uh, in mm-hmm. the, in the, the form of a Godzilla type Kaiju. 
that's not mm-hmm. at all what it was. Yeah, uh, that, and you're, that is exactly what I thought after I think about thirty minutes into the movie. That's what I thought it was going to be. Well, because she's such a mess. Like I didn't think she was going to be this messy, but she really is a mess. She's a wreck. Yeah, is what and, she is. And it's. I, I want to ask you this. I mean, it, it, be, well, what's that? Well, I want to ask you: Is it too much? Were, did did you turn against her because she's so much of a wreck? I almost did. But then as I'm watching her, I'm like, I, I care for her, though. I don't, I don't want her to feel this way. I don't want her to be this way. And it's not that I don't want her to be this way because it's really annoying me. Although it is annoying me, but it got me thinking, you know, this is this is life. There are people who have to live like this, who have to suffer through this to get out of this. And yeah, uh, did you uh, like answer her? your question? Yeah. It's answer your question, Ben. Uh, no, uh, actually, I didn't. Uh, I, I yes, she she does some very terrible things, but I, 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 I always felt. I guess I, I always had pity for her at the very minimum. As awful as she was at points, she was she was always a very pitiable character, and especially when you. When you start comparing her to the to her old friend, then she certainly becomes a much more likable character. But you, despite her alcoholism and some of the other things that she that she does, she they made sure to give her these moments where she does something that's genuinely good. Yeah, she, she saves the cat. You like yeah, she's she definitely saves the cat a couple times, uh, which is yeah. the, you know the the book where any. Any lead character, if you want the audience to like that character, they need to save a cat in the first act, you know, so that you can, you know, I can like this person, even if this person is not doing things that are likable. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm talking about I was talking I'm talking about things like the the other people that hang out in the bar when her uh, her old friend starts to really show his true colors and he just starts acting like a jerk to everybody. She's the one who's telling him to lay off or to, or she stands up for the other characters. Yeah. I mean, this, this movie, this is kind of getting into themes here, but this movie is basically says people are monsters. You oh know, yeah. <laughs> people are monsters. Some people are worse monsters. Some people aren't as bad monsters, but people are monsters and hurt people, hurt people. You know, yeah. Hurting, hurting people will hurt people. And it's just, yeah. And, and then the other thing is <laughs> that just kind of comes out to me is no one is without sin. You know, I mean, no. <laughs> all of these people and they all have just um, I mean, of all the primary characters, they all have abhorrent uh, personalities eventually where you're just like, oh, I thought that person was OK. Oh, I thought that person. Oh, I thought that person was going to be. A, no, no, no. They're, they all have issues they need to deal with. The question is, are they going to deal with them? Yeah, and, and I think that that's one of the things that wins me over with with Anne Hathaway's character is there actually are points where she resists her alcoholic tendencies. She's trying to get away from that. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the other thing that is definitely here is is these kind of cycles where you have the same thing over and over and over for her, and it's just she's living through her life every day. I go out and I drink and then I come back and feel awful. And I do things yep. I didn't want to do. 
<laughs> and what happens the next day? I go out and I drink. I do things I didn't want to do, and I feel awful about it the next day. But I'm going to do it again. In yeah, the- and actually, that what, hearing that, I was thinking to myself at first before they explain how the how her connection to the monster works. I actually thought it was being brought upon brought upon her by the alcohol. Hmm. I thought she was getting so drunk that she blacks out, and then that's when the monster manifests. And it doesn't work exactly like that. Actually, it was kind of a. I think it was. I don't whether it was intentional or not. I don't know, but it was a nice red herring yeah, to throw people yeah. off. Yeah, and I don't want to talk about the the whys and and maybe even some of the hows. But I did I did like the scenes where she kind of figured out what had happened because she she doesn't remember what happens, you know, because of the the alcoholic uh, stupor that she's in, but then. She sees on TV the monster from the night before, and she's the monster's doing these things that she remembers doing. And then you get yep. the scenes of her testing out her theories, and this is where you're thinking, "Oh man, romantic comedy, ha 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 ha!" And then it kind of <laughs> gets really dark. You know, oh wait, this is not where I thought this was going. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I guess the, there are points where this movie d- definitely throws some some pretty hefty gravity. <laughs> yeah. into things because yeah. she starts realizing like oh crap I actually killed somebody and starts freaking out <laughs> but the comedy works the, the comedy works when it's there you know and, and mm-hmm. I, I'm laughing with these funny moments uh, the problem with the comedy is and maybe this is just life it lets my guard down and then when things started going dark I was like wait a minute this isn't what I signed up for when I started this when I pressed play on Hulu <laughs> yeah yeah, that was that was a little surprising. Uh, what what was your for you? What was your favorite funny moment? I, honestly, I think it was um, some of the stuff that she was doing when she realized she could control the monster. You know, <laughs> and, and when she realized that that's what was happening with the monster on the other side of the world, and mm-hmm. you know, some of the stuff that she was doing over there to prove to her friends, you know, that that she could do it. Yeah, well, it's like because they're watching on their phones. While she's doing her thing and she's like, hey, look, and she like r- raises her hand and waves and the monster does the same thing. Yeah. And it takes them a couple seconds to put two and two together. Yeah, because she doesn't tell them. She's just like, well, look at this. And then they're they're figuring it out and she's she's stringing them along, you know, yeah. letting them figure it out. And yeah. Mine, what I think would it would have to be the uh, this. I won't get into too many of the details. Because those would entail spoilers, but my favorite funny moment was the viral video that got made and shown on the news about the monster. <laughs> yeah. With all the funny animations and things that got added on top of it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I about died well, and that's, when I saw that. Because that's the sort of silly stuff you see cropping up on YouTube all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's super real. <laughs> like That is art imitating life right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there's there's this funny stuff, but then there's a, this emotional, emotionally heavy stuff, and I, I think it works together. I, I do think it works together. Ultimately, I don't think this is a perfect movie. Um, I because I mean maybe because of some of this tonal shifting where it's kind of going to the extreme in one direction and then the extreme in the other direction, but it works as this kind of character study, and. Mm-hmm. If you are willing to watch this as a character study and if you're willing to watch this and accept 
the metaphorical stuff that's going on and not look for the science fiction uh, logical reasoning of why things are going on. Uh, I think you're going to like it. But if let you, me ask you this, Ben. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Ben. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to ask, do you think this qualifies as a kaiju movie? Because I've heard some debate about whether or not it qualifies. Well, I don't know what reasoning there might be for it not qualifying, but that's because I tend to go broad. But I, I do think it is. I mean, for me, a good kaiju movie is a movie that has uh, giant monsters doing things that, you know, giant monsters do. And that has a human story that goes along with it and that they mm -hmm. both work well together. Not every kaiju movie that I like does that well, but mm -hmm. but every movie that does that well is a kaiju movie that I like. And this one swings way over to the other side of the human story is the important story. Mm -hmm. And the monster story is incidental. Um, and it's not incidental because of budget. And it's not incidental because they didn't have time to shoot new stuff. So they're using, you know, using images from, you know, the previous eight movies or whatever. Um, <laughs> it's it's incidental because the monster stuff is a reflection of the human stuff. Yeah, that's what I was going to get at is that in this, the the monster stuff is. It's I'm trying to figure out how to put this, it's. It's kind of a larger manifestation of the 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 human the very human story that's going on. It's just, it's a different expression of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. It is. I mean, you're watching the same thing happen on two different playing fields. Mm -hmm. But because of her connection to this monster, they they get tied in together. Because sometimes you're watching it, and here's the human stuff going on, here's the monster stuff going on, and they kind of go together, but they're just two different stories squeezed between the same beginning credits and end credits. Mm -hmm. And and so here you have, yeah, I I don't know. I'm, I'm curious though. What are some of the reasoning for not calling it a kaiju movie? I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it's because the there are some people in the kaiju fan community that have. They have very stringent definitions for them about what a kaiju, what qualifies something as a kaiju movie. And although I get the impression part of it is part of it is that since the the kaiju story is more secondary to to everything else, they don't necessarily list it as a kaiju movie and tend to think of it more as just a very weird indie comedy. But then again, Which it I've is. Watched, yeah. But then again, I've watched enough. Uh, I've watched enough kaiju movies to tell you that there are actually some really good kaiju movies that the fandom loves. That technically there aren't. There isn't as much monster action as they as you might think yeah. in it. So I tend to disagree a bit on that, especially now that I've actually seen the movie. I would be willing to call it a kaiju movie, but it's a it's a very different kaiju movie it's a, i would say it's one of those modern uh modern takes though where it's saying okay we're going to take this kaiju uh trope and we're going to apply it to this uh indie character study comedy you know and so mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, in a lot of ways, it almost feels like they took two different scripts and kind of sewed them together. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, they could absolutely tell the same exact story without any of the monster stuff. And all the character stuff would actually still play out in a very similar way uh, because of the conflicts that arise. And these conflicts that arise within the confines of our character grouping are reflected again, you know, over in, in South Korea and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and are reflected in, uh, the monster action. Uh, yeah. And so I, I would say this is a kaiju movie because the giant monster is a part of the story and, and not just a passing part of the story. It's not like a character had a dream about a giant monster. You know, that wouldn't be a kaiju movie to me necessarily, unless the dream was, you know, the entire movie. Like, actually, that that reminds me, and uh, this was actually in my notes uh, when I was writing, when I was putting this down uh, early on in the movie before they explain a little bit more about how this works. I actually, one of my theories actually about what about the monster was that it had something to do with with dreams because she blacks off from the alcohol, and I thought yeah. that's when the monster would manifest. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but. There was actually a cartoon series sequel to the Godzilla '98 movie, aired on Fox yeah, Saturday mornings. Yep, they had an episode where the they they were running up against this very bizarre looking monster that wasn't the typical sort of monster that they would run into, which was usually mutant animals. It's a monster they called the Crackler because it had electrical powers, and they figured out that what this monster was. It is that it was a manifestation of this comatose guy's anger. He was a he had a lot of pent up anger. He was bottling all up. Then he ended up in a coma. And then this I forget through some sort of freak, whatever the the monster was able to manifest manifest itself while he was asleep. Yeah, I've so I've seen it's, I've seen other stories like that. And honestly, I, I've written a couple, too. <laughs> so um <laughs> And it can be it's actually a really good trope to use because it's that manifestation of your internal you know, feelings and emotions and stuff like that. Um, it's just this ends up being a lot more. Um, well, uh, she's awake, you know, when when it's happening, yeah. she just doesn't remember being awake when it happens. So, yeah, it gets almost transcendental at points, really. Yeah, it. it with how they do things it's really interesting yeah so um yeah i i um you know there's some spoilers that we we are going to want to talk about but before we get there i wondered if there was anything else you wanted to cover maybe with some of the themes that you saw or we do need to talk about the monster maybe a little bit too yeah actually that is uh, there were a couple of things i I was going to bring up the uh I've heard some people I haven't gotten dove too deep into what they're talking about. But one of the themes that I know some other people who have watched this movie brought up is the. uh, How do they put it? Kind of the. Trying to exactly how they put it, but it had to do with the uh, with Oscar, the old friend and his. I try. It's not male privilege. It's something else. But talking about how he's doing all of these things to try to impress the Anne Hathaway character because he want because he wants to be with her 
But all it is is that he's just trying to exert more control and power over her. So all of his gift-giving has ulterior motives. No, there's definitely an element of the power power struggle um, where he's doing things to create and gain power over her. And, and it's it's not good. <laughs> it's, yeah, and- that's uh, that's a theme that's become I think a lot more relevant for people because there's a lot of mm. there's a lot of talk about such things the you know some women feeling threatened by the over by overtures from men because they feel like all they're doing is trying to have power over them as opposed to it actually being a you know a genuine expression of affection and love so and I was definitely getting uh, that sort of a vibe because <laughs> You know, the, 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 as somebody put it, you know, the, uh, the line between lover and stalker is, is often very thin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and in this case, yeah, again, I don't want to get too much into any spoilers there, but there was a creepy vibe to it at first. Like, what, what's he doing? This wasn't asked for. And then he's like, yeah, you asked for it. Remember? Oh, you don't remember, do you? Okay. Well, you asked for it, you know, and, and she's like, well, I must have. I must have. And, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the relevance. Um, I mean, there's absolutely the, the stuff coming out of, uh, you know, a lot of the Hollywood stuff coming out right now and some of the politicians as well that are being uh, mm-hmm. outed uh, for using their power, you know, and for saying, well, I want to help you to have a better career. But for me to help you to have a better career, you need to do this. And, yeah. <laughs> and if you don't do this. Well, you better not tell anyone that I asked you to do this because you're not going to work again, you know. And and so it it goes from what seems like a friendly "I'm going to help you" and it turns into a "I have my own motives for helping you," and and they're not as chivalrous as as it seems, considering yeah. I'm saying I'm going to help you. And yeah, yeah. So now, as for the monster, uh, the monster itself, I was actually pretty impressed with it. I wasn't I knew it was an indie movie, so I was wondering how good the effects were going to be. And maybe because I went into it with lower expectations, the effects actually really impressed me. But I wonder if it's have you ever seen the movie Monsters by Gareth Edwards? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they probably took a similar approach that uh, that Monsters did where they they were very strategic in their use of the special effects, so that way they could really invest a lot of effort into making those look good. Because it's all done with CGI. It's not suitmation, which it would have been interesting if they had tried that. But Well, but you say that, and the truth is they actually used Anne Hathaway not in a motion capture suit, but in the footage that they shot. They, they were using her her uh, motion movements uh, to kind of create the movements of the creature. Ah, so that definitely makes sense. And so the creature itself has a Anne Hathaway ish uh, body type, you know, thin, lanky, um, you know, more, I mean, I shouldn't say thinner because I mean, it's, it's hundreds of times bigger, you know, but, (laughs) but the, you know, there's a more of a lankiness to the, the creature's uh, body and, and, and that kind of thing. But it absolutely feels of a type with her when you find out that it is, you know, connected to her. Um, yeah. And, uh, the design I thought was very unique because it doesn't, a lot of times with Kaiju, 
they they you they they have a very identifiable reference point for what they're doing. You know, Godzilla is a giant dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, Mothra is a giant moth and things like that. Whereas with this one, it feels wholly original. Doesn't really resemble anything that we know. It, d- it definitely feels like a fantasy creature. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a giant Anne Hathaway from your worst deepest darkest nightmare you know <laughs> with like, kind of some funny kind of like some funny looking not really it's not I, I, the only thing i could think of to compare the the way the head looks is that it's almost like a ram but not really it's not really a bull either but it definitely has horns that stick out and kind of elongate the head a little bit almost gives it a hammer shape yeah and it doesn't have the the fierceness uh in some ways, the, the face the face almost makes me feel like it's uh, – I don't know if clueless is quite the right word, but it almost looks like the monster is just kind of, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, it almost makes me wonder, does the monster actually have um, a mind and a, you know its own thoughts and feelings and agency, but it just can't control itself whenever it manifests itself in the world because – Anne Hathaway's controlling it, and it's, mm-hmm. well, hey, here I am again. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to do this. I wish I could go back home now. <laughs> Actually, I, I'm, you know, glancing at my notes. Another interesting thematic thing that, uh, that I wrote down is that I find it interesting that there, I can't remember which character says this, but someone makes a statement about how, People will stop, even though there's this extraordinary thing happening. There's a giant monster in Seoul. He says that if all it ever does is show up in Seoul, people will stop caring. Yeah. <laughs> because it's only that city that's being affected by it. And I thought, wow, that's very cynical and potentially accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is they don't get into the international. I don't know, relationships that could come out of this. There's a little um, bit of it, but, but not much. And it, this monster is coming, it, appearing and doing horrible things. And they really do not address um, the, you know, if this is happening in the real world, they, they don't address like the ramifications that yes, she caused people to die. They mention yeah. it. They mention it, but it's a it's this magical realism that they're dealing with. It's not a super realistic uh, movie where they're trying to you know so show if this was a disaster like this in real life, this is what it would look like. And if she yeah. was doing this in real life, she would never ever ever do anything to even possibly bring that monster back if she accidentally killed someone. And I honestly yeah. wondered if they were going to go into it where. Other people, like government agencies, find out that she controls this monster or something, and they're oh, they're going to get involved. And and but they didn't go there. That, you know? that might have actually been a little bit much. I think the movie would have lost me if that's what they did. Well, it certainly wouldn't have been able to tell the small personal story of of, of you know relationships in small community of, of of a small group of friends, and they they would have lost really the the movie the story that they were trying to tell because it, it just would have gone in these other sci-fi directions instead of the yeah, um, yeah. this inter, is meant to be a very 
Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, this is very much meant to be a personal story. It's about these characters and what it's doing to them and what the monsters mean to them. You know, what the, I guess you could say it's the, the, the monsters are meant to symbolize them. Yeah. Yeah. It symbolizes Anne Hathaway, uh, her character and what she's struggling with. So taking it in the the direction that you're talking about, I just, it would have undermined that. It would have been a completely completely. different movie. But then I was still at the point in the movie where I didn't know what this movie was when I was wondering, where is this going? You know, and and that was one of the questions. And because of that, it just made it. So I realized, wow, they, they are not, I mean, this is a movie about this American woman and her American friends. And on the other side of the world, all these things are happening in some ways. It's almost, I mean, that's almost a reflection on things as well. Uh, they don't go into it, but <laughs> this is the way our world works. We, we buy things, we own things, we, we sell things. And, you know, these things that we have are made in China, you know, and, and made by people who we never think about. We don't care about our lives affect these, these people all over the world. Because for various different reasons, but our lives and the way we live them affects people across the world. And we don't even give a second thought. And in some ways, that's kind of what's happening there with hers. Her life is affecting people across the other side of the world. And it doesn't even affect her. You know, it's it's not even a second thought or maybe it's a, a, a minor thought, but not much of one. So. Well, and that, but yeah, that's how she is for a while. And then when she starts, or then when she figures out that she uh, she controls this monster, I think, I think there are points where she really stops and wonders, "Oh man, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what I do can have huge consequences." And I think that's, I think that's what ultimately what that's her arc in this movie is learning that her actions affect more people than just her. Uh, you're, I think that's probably the biggest and most important theme in this whole thing. Yeah, because she's seeing how this is affecting her boyfriend. This is affecting her friend Oscar. It's it's effect. It's this 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 big domino effect of things that's going on, and she she's shown at the beginning of the movie to be com- to completely disregard that. Yeah. She doesn't care. She she'll go out and drink and get plastered and then you know, show back up at her boyfriend's apartment in a drunken stupor. And she doesn't care. She hasn't, she's not working. She hasn't written anything in a long time. And, and I can tell you, you know, I think actually you, both of us would know that, you know, studying the history of writers, alcoholism is a common problem with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so, yeah, yeah, it's, our our actions definitely have broader ramifications than we we understand, realize, or want to even know about. You know, because yeah, it, and that's why uh, that's actually something that I've been reflecting on personally. The in the last years, I, I was telling myself I I don't want to be one of the I don't want to be someone who you know I say or do something to somebody else and they end up not being in my life anymore. And I may even have forgotten about them, but the things I said and did to them continue to affect those people. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that that concept actually really bothers me to think that you know, one slip of the tongue that I said, I said one stupid thing one day and uh, to somebody and I didn't think anything of it and I don't see that person anymore, but they're still living with what I said. Yeah. I don't like that idea. <laughs> it's it's sobering to think of. You can't let it paralyze you. But you absolutely can let it be like what you're saying, where I don't want that to be what happens. I, I want to be careful. I want it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, that was brought on for me because of the, I, I've been thinking a lot about it, some of the things that people have said and done to me. And they're people I don't associate with with anymore, but I'm still being affected by them. It's It's really weird <laughs> if you stop and think about it. These people you no longer know. And yet they're still a part of your life in some weird way. So um, I have one, one last thing I wanted to throw out and then um, if you have anything more in your notes, we can get to that and then we'll, we'll go into some spoilers here, but Mm -hmm. this movie illustrates what I think I've called uh, in the past, the, the Dave Slater principle and Dave Slater is a friend of mine who he's no longer with us, but um he, I used to go to movies with him, and and the Dave, he didn't call it this, he just used to say it, and I have now given it the title, the Dave Slater principle of of movies and storytelling, and that is, they just need Jesus. <laughs> I, <laughs> I just, was thinking, it's like, I think I know what this is. I, I just watch, I I just watch these people, and oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> these people need Jesus. They they do, you know. They they are having to go through life without hope and and you know or or with fabricated hope or or whatever but um, you know hope from the bottom of the bottle uh, hope from you know for, in the case of her her first boyfriend there at the beginning of the movie um, hope in the relationship uh, you know where he needs this relationship for him to get by and. Without it, he's he's feeling like there's nothing, and she needs you know the alcohol to feel something, and yeah, it's it's messy, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate, and you know you're you're watching this, and man, do I know people like yeah, this? Yeah, uh, it's yes, I need to I, tell I them. Do, you know, so like, yeah, I, I need to. Well, it. <laughs> It's it's funny. I think I remember you uh, bringing that up in the show before, and <laughs> how you I think uh, what you said was the guy said, you know, if if these people would just find Jesus, the rest of this movie wouldn't happen. Yeah, it's, that's it exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking to myself, it's like, yeah, actually, if that would definitely make sense. If Gloria found Jesus right after she went to her hometown, the rest of this movie probably wouldn't have happened. Actually, well. In this case, the rest of the movie still would have happened because you still have the cool high concept, but it would happen yeah. in a much, much different way. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say much, much different way. Much different way, faster. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, do you have anything else from your notes that you want to cover before we, we move on to some spoilers? Well, because the ending of most this movie... Of, most uh, of the rest of my notes are... Uh, either just me writing down random reactions or asking questions that end up answered later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or they they have to deal with spoiler stuff because the end of this movie, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say there's some clever storytelling going on here. 
Again, if you're willing to go along with the uh, the metaphorical ride that they're taking you on. Because yeah. Although I couple of quick things in my notes that uh, go back to things we've talked about. Uh, did you catch the Pulp Fiction reference in the movie? No. No, I don't think so. Well, when Anne Hathaway, when Anne, when Anne Hathaway is trying to show off to her friends oh, that, she, uh, that she can control the monster and she does a little dance. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> I did catch. Pulp yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you're talking about you know, the, uh, you know, the larger consequences of things going on. I did write down that the, there was a point where I think they were at a gas station and then the gas station was doing a charity drive for help soul. That's right. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh man, that would suck so bad. Cause that's at a point when she's feeling really, really guilty about the people that she's accidentally killed as the monster. So just seeing that as a, it was like, that's just salt in a wound right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, it, Got to keep your mouth shut. Either that, or people. If you try to tell people, they probably think you're nuts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's that's where you get into the it's the dour, uh, the dour into indie movie humor. You know where it's yeah it's kind of funny, but but not quite enough to laugh about. But then it's not really funny when you think about it. It's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're in an indie that's, movie. Uh, ver- <laughs> Yeah, we aren't necessarily going into this expecting a a happy feel good comedy. No, no. Well, let's talk about the ending, but first, let's play the spoiler organ. Spoilers. 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 Okay, that ending. I, oh my gosh. I had to think okay, about it a couple thing, different times before I could decide if I actually liked it or not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The first thing we need to tell everybody is there's a second monster. Right. We didn't talk about the second monster. We didn't talk about the second monster. Cause that's the, that's what you said when you get to the beginning of act, uh, like around act two. Yeah. It, that was the first big plot twist because it turns out that Oscar, the awful, awful friend can also make a monster. And his is a giant robot that looks like it belongs in Pacific Rim. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, there's even a point where it cracks its knuckles and I'm like, oh man, that's so Pacific Rim right there. But that's because that's what Oscar is doing. And, and, uh, you know, Jason Sudeikis is, he's standing in the playground. That's the thing is this playground is laid out like Seoul, uh, Korea. And, and so the, when you step into because, it, it's it's like, you know, you 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 manifest in soul, in in scale. So this playground, you know, as they're human sized, and then in the city they're monster sized. Yeah, and, and I and I thought that was actually used very effectively at points because it threw me off. I didn't figure out until later that it it was the playground that was the real catalyst. For all of this, it wasn't necessarily the alcohol. It was the playground. You, when either one of them step on the playground, the monster manifests. Although I think they also had to do it at a specific time. Yeah, there's too, there's a time sure. too. But, but yeah, so it's like at a certain time in that playground, then the monsters will manifest. And before that, as I mentioned, you know, the my favorite part was the was the viral video. There is something of a kaiju fight in this, but all it is is the. The, at least all that we see is it's 
the Gloria slapping Oscar in the face. So you see the monster hitting the yeah. robot in the face. Yeah. And everyone <laughs> cheers because yeah, everyone cheers. So it's, I'm looking at this and think it's like, Oh man, it's, it's kind of mirroring the development of Godzilla now because Godzilla started off as this horrific monster. Then it becomes, uh, and then it becomes Japan's hero. <laughs> Cause that's what's happening at first. All the South Koreans were terrified of the monster, but then it starts slapping the robot and then they start cheering it was sent here so to protect us hero. yeah and yeah and the, the thing is i mean it absolutely is mirroring her arc where she's no longer thinking only about herself and has to think about these other people and and then he uses that over her as a as a control yeah. thing that i mm-hmm. will do this every day until you are with me and this yeah, is where you this is where you're getting into that, that controlling aspect of things. And he absolutely is a monster, you know? Oh yeah. And that, and that scene, when he makes that clear, I was, there was a part of me that was wondering, because there's a point where he just, where they're on the playground and they're doing their thing with the monsters, but then it stops showing you what the monster, uh, the monsters, and you just see the two of them. So it's as if it's allowing the audience through what you're seeing those two actors do and with some sound effects, it, it's letting you imagine what's going on with the monsters because it's really it's talking about it's depicting some really horrific things that you don't actually see because you, you have that part where Oscar is just walking around. He's just stomping the ground really hard and they play explosions and screams. And that was chilling for me when it, that happened. It was. And that's where we're, you know, we're watching a movie that's about abuse. It's about hurting people, um, painful behavior where, you know, I'm going to do this and I don't care what it means to, uh, for you. You're going to do this and I don't care what it means for you. And the monsters are the metaphorical manifestation of that, which is, then the end is amazing. <laughs> it's yeah, I, this, this ending, I, I, I had to think about it a lot to decide, did I really like this ending? So she goes to South Korea and she yeah, stands and in front of him, the monster and confronts the, the monster. Robot. Yeah. The she robot. is standing in Seoul looking at him, but back home, the monster that she is, is looking at him. I know. And I was just, <laughs> when this happens, I'm just thinking, huh? Okay. All right. And then as the, as in, in her powerful form, she picks up and, and throws the human form of Jason Sudeikis, you know, across the landscape. There's no way he's going to survive. He's dead. She just killed him. Yeah, he's, he's definitely dead. <laughs> but the monster also just flies, you know, flies through the air and everyone's confused about how this is happening. The, the robot monster, I should say. Yeah. And then she turns but, around and, and goes to a bar, tells her story and, and doesn't get a drink. Yeah. I, but the whole time I was watching this, I, I was just thinking about something just logistically how that whole thing was edited and shot was just. I, I it just absolutely fascinated me, and I, I I have to say it might be a masterstroke because 
it was just so very interesting. So it's the the you have the two monsters confronting each other in two very different forms, miles apart. It was so weird. And then you're actually, I, I wish it's not going to make any sense trying to. It may not make any sense to, uh, trying to describe this because what ends up happening is you have Anne Hathaway's character looking at the robot and soul. Her monster manifests in her hometown, and the Oscar sees that. She actually figures out how uh, where to place herself so that, yeah. she, so that her monster form can go down and pick up Oscar. Which, when he she does that, then the robot looks like it's being picked up by some by massive something. invisible force. So, yeah, an even bigger creature is picking up the yeah the, yeah. And then, <laughs> then she throws, uh, tosses him away, and the robot flies off into the distance and disappears. Okay. It's so bizarre when I just look at this logistically. I'm just like, this might be one of the most interesting kaiju movie endings I've ever seen. It is shot <laughs> just, so well, and it makes visual sense, metaphorical sense. But what threw me and I'm thinking to myself now, OK, this is what bothers me, you know, but the fact that she's able to just crouch down in her human form, just move her hand where he would be. Somehow she knows exactly where and and it picks him up. And I'm I'm just I don't get it. You know, there I needed to see a scene where she was doing the math. You know, where she was, <laughs> well, I, you don't have to show was... me the math. Just show me, on, you know, she's on the plane and she's drawing triangles on a piece of paper that, you know, so the, and here's the, here's the playground. All I need to do is see something, but that's not the movie that this is. This is a movie that asks no. you to suspend disbelief and to say, I'm going along for the dream logic. The dream yes. logic works here. The visual language works here. It's just that little bit of me that's, I can't handle it. I I must have logic. I, well, my thing, <laughs> my thing wasn't necessarily that. That caught up with me later. The thing that I was thinking about right after, because I was so emotionally invested in it that I was going, and then so surprised and fascinated by how it was being done that I, I just went along with on the ride. And the thing that came to me was I was thinking to myself, did they actually foreshadow this? I mean, she ran off to, to Korea and at first it seems like she's just trying to get away from Oscar. Uh huh. Then it might seem that she thinks she's going to do something weird by confronting his monster, his, his robot monster in Seoul and then I thought she was going to do something weird by confronting his robot monster in Seoul as opposed to confronting him on the playground. And then you had all the you had all these other things going on. And I just kept thinking to myself, how did she know this was going to happen? Yeah. Or was this a surprise for her? Was it for Because at first you think she's just trying to get away from him and just go anywhere else. And then it seemed. Yeah, it, it's just. Okay, yeah, so now there, there's some foreshadowing there because you see a map a couple of times in the background has a bunch of yarn. Looks like it's being tied around at, at, at certain locations that then pinned on Seoul, Korea. But they didn't really draw a lot of attention to that. So 
I was just like, how did she know this was going to happen? That there was another spot in Seoul where either one of them could go there and then it connected to her hometown. Yeah, and if you just say to yourself, dream logic, that's all you need. You know, it's it's, yeah. it's dream logic, it's a metaphor, it's not uh realistic storytelling. It's not meant to yeah. be. Um you know, she goes there with the plan. She is going there one way or another, she's going there to confront him. And whether or not she knew that she had the monster ability still when she's in Korea and it's showing up in her hometown or not, it, it just, but if you go along with it as dream logic, you know, that's the, you, that's what you have to do though. You, you can't say yeah. I'm looking for, you know, 2001 where <laughs> everything that happens happens with this at least pseudoscience behind it. Yeah. And, and, and the bottom line is at the end of the movie, I was willing to go with it because I liked her enough that I wanted to go through and see how in the world is she going to get out of this? Especially when he makes that threat, how is she going to stop him? I thought it might mean a shotgun, you know, like (laughs) she shows up on the playground with a shotgun and in Korea, the monster has, you know, some sort of weird blaster or something. I I didn't know where it was going to go, but that's the kind of thing I thought they were going to do is where she was going to stop him there. But instead she goes to the place where she becomes more powerful and she confronts him by staring down his most powerful form. Yeah. And that's what makes it unexpected and clever. I think because it, it, it subverts your expectations because you do think the final confrontation is going to be on the playground, but we had already been shown in a previous scene that wouldn't work unless she did show up with a gun or something, yeah. but you know, yeah. then it would have been different, but it, it, it still, it doesn't go that route. It does exactly what you said. It goes the dream route and it does something totally unexpected. And, and I so, even, I, I was going to say, and so what it does for me is, you know, this is a story of empowerment. And if I was a woman, I would obviously be taking even more from it, I think. But it's a story of empowerment of defeating your own inner demons. And it's a story of empowerment of, you know, defeating that person who is abusing their power that they have over you. And, you know, in some ways, you know, the power fantasy is unfortunately just that it's, it's, it's a fantasy, you know, but there's, there's some realism to it. You know, even the most powerless feeling person has some power and, Mm -hmm. you know, the question is, how do I figure out how to use it? And that's where she is here. She's figured out how to use it. Yeah. Uh, as it's, it's not unlike confronting a bully, which is really what, what Oscar ends up being. He's just, he's a very powerful and honestly kind of murderous bully. And once she had power over him, then he just fell apart the that scene yeah, when yeah. she's when she's holding uh-huh. him in her monster hands and he is just crying like a baby and almost begging for his life for a good probably 5 10 seconds i thought he he i thought he was going to 
for lack of a better term, end up redeeming himself. Like he had finally learned his lesson and then he opened his big mouth. (laughs) And then, yeah. And she murders him, you know, and it's not even getting around that. I mean, I was actually a little unsettled by that. It is unsettling. It's unsettling. It's, it's funny when you watch it happen. It's kind of like, Oh, that's kind of funny looking. And then you realize she just straight up killed him. Now, yeah. she killed him by, I mean, she's saving people's lives when she does this. And technically, he had probably killed at least a few hundred people before this. Is Was there a better way? Was there another way? That's the big question that you always get in. I mean, that's the Man of Steel question that, that everyone got into. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't know. But again, dream logic. That's the other thing you just have to keep coming back to is – this is dream logic here. And if she's going to stop him, there's, and she does both of these. I think she destroys the playground. Yeah. I I don't know if that destroys the power of the moment, you know, where, where she's able to, you know, but she destroys the playground and she destroys him. I'm not sure because the, what little explanation you get for how the power works is in those almost, Nolan-esque flashbacks for, <laughs> to, to when Gloria and Oscar are kids. And the she built a, a diorama of Seoul, Korea. And then it gets blown away by the wind uh, into this wooded area that eventually became the playground. And then the, the two of them go in there to look for it, and Oscar finds it first, and then for whatever reason just smashes the thing, and then she gets... Uh, really upset and then they both get struck by a lightning yeah well and and that's all the explanation that you get and, so it's and like in the past this I mean, strange yeah it's the, like strange event coupled with a, emotional trauma and it's that it, makes this happen and the two of them had action figure well no her i think what was it yeah, oscar had an action figure looked like the robot uh-huh. and i forget where her monster came from was it part of the diorama? I, I think, think it so. Might yeah. Uh, but first of all, we see this scene in Korea uh, at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, which I think was supposed to be uh, at, happening at the moment that that was going on. Yeah. In their uh, when they were kids, it was, so it was supposed what, to be twenty years ago or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and then the other thing is, again, you get this kind of size thing, and so you have the diorama of Korea. Uh, of Seoul, and then you have the playground that is this other manifestation of Seoul, and then you have the actual city, and and again you have l- those sizes of people. You know, you have the people in the playground, st- well, the people in the place where the playground is going to be stomping on the diorama. You have the people in the playground where the playground is to scale with them, the monsters in Seoul, and then you have her as a person in Seoul confronting the monster, and then that invisible hand, you know, that that is her because it's her as the monster. And so you have these kind of scale things. It's really there's some neat things to play with there uh, that they do visually uh, that they they get to get into. Uh, But then, yeah, that like what you're saying, the emotional trauma coupled with some sort of supernatural event coupled mm-hmm. with, you know, there might be some ley lines or something where <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, I, I haven't looked to see if, if this, these places are like on opposite ends of the globe. Um, but you know, just the, 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 the place, the location, you know, the ley line theory, I could actually have gone with if they <laughs> presented it in the movie, but I ultimately 
ultimately, all that all that it requires is the explanation that it gives you. You don't need all of the details. Is uh, this isn't a movie that wants to get bogged down in details. Like like we've been saying, it's a very personal story. It's a very character driven story that gives you as much as it thinks that you need because you're supposed to be going along on this emotional journey with the, with these characters. Yeah. Yeah. So overall, I liked the movie. I enjoyed the, the movie's experience that it gave me, uh, the cleverness of the script and, and some of the things that got me thinking about, I didn't like watching the characters do some of the things they were doing because they're bad things and they were hurting people and you're not supposed to like that kind of thing. Uh but when you're watching those kind of things and it's causing you to think about, um, you know, it's causing you to think about the damage that these things cause. And, and I, I think that there's, there's validity to that. And, and there is some validity in the negative parable, um, which is definitely what we get here is we see the bad and the movie says, don't be like this. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, most definitely. So what's your final the- word on the, on, on this movie then? The my final word on this movie would be it's uh, it's very unique. It's very unexpected. And if you are if if you're into giant monster movies, I would say at the very least watch it once because it's not going to be exactly what you expect. But at the same time, it definitely I think has an affection for kaiju films. Yeah. It's not poking fun at them. Or anything like that. It's trying to do a very different, interesting things with the tropes and the concept. Yeah. All right. Or if honestly you just like dark comedies, or you like <laughs> you know uh, very character-driven personal stories, I think you would enjoy this too. Although, for uh, just to let everybody know, uh, the film is rated R, and it's because it has a fair amount of swearing in it. <laughs> That's about the only reason it has an R rating. Yeah, that and a guy gets straight up murdered at the end. <laughs> yeah, although you don't really see it. It's, no, it's more a, murder and concept than anything else. It's more disturbing <laughs> than disgusting. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that said, where can people find you? Tell us about Kaiju Vision. <laughs> uh, well, as I said, uh, kaijuvision.com uh, is the website. Uh, you can also follow Kaiju Vision on uh, on Facebook and on Twitter, and we're on just about every podcatcher known to man. <laughs> just search Kaiju Vision Radio, and you sh- you'll probably be able to find it. The I still have my own personal author website. I'm still doing all the book writing and freelance writing and all of that sort of stuff. And my personal website is NathanJSMarchand.com, and you can also follow me on Twitter at NathanMarchand7, and I also have a professional Facebook page. So, you, uh, which there will be links to that on my author website. So that's about all the ones that I can I can think of. You, you want to know a little bit more about the about the podcast, or did we cover that enough at yeah, the beginning? I, I think we covered that. I mean, if you like kaiju movies, you are going to want to watch or not watch. You want to listen to this podcast. I guess you uh, you do post on YouTube as we well. Have, we have YouTube. But, yeah, we do post episodes on YouTube as well. Which it, 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 the the videos are all recorded in 4K and are uh, meant to be scenic videos, and they're showcasing a lot of local architecture and uh, and scenery around here. 
And uh, Brian is the one who films all those videos. He takes great pride in the work that he's done. And I think it, I think it's great, too. Yeah. So it's it's our little way of showcasing our local area as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. But if you like those if you like Godzilla, then why are you not interested in listening to this podcast? Listen to that podcast. Yeah. So. You'll learn a lot, too, because it's not only a film appreciation podcast. It's also a way to learn more about the history and culture of Japan, because I will tell you. I learned I've, in researching for this podcast. I've learned a lot of really cool stuff about uh, the history and all of that. Things that if I hadn't known, I, I don't think honestly I would have uh, would have liked Shin Godzilla as much as I do. <laughs> so, uh, and I promise not I promise not to pick on Evan nearly as much anymore. Just because <laughs> I, I I remember I listened to the feedback episodes I wrote in about Shin Godzilla. Kind of picked on Evan a little bit. So that's one of these days. One of these days, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to hang out with Evan, and we'll be friends. <laughs> Eventually, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I, all that said, I want to say also thank you for being on the show, uh, Nathan, and and for everyone who's listening. Thank you so much for for listening. And you can find out where to find Strangers and Aliens stuff in the in the credits, you know. But we, we'd love to hear from you. And all that said, nothing left for me to say, but thank you for listening. And Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast hosted by Ben Avery, Evan David, Steve McDonald, and Dr. Jason Neal. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. We'd love for you to join the conversation by going to our website at strangersandaliens.com where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com. Or you can join our social media conversations by following us on Twitter, where we are at Strange and Alien, or liking us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangersandaliens. Or leave us a voicemail by calling the Strangers and Aliens hotline. That number is 1-804-37-ALIEN. And once again, thanks for listening. Hey, here I am again. Oh, sorry. I don't mean to do this. I wish I could go back home now. <laughs>